Hello and welcome to Sunflower Sutras. I'm your host, Taylor. To kick things off, we have a poem by Rainier Maria Wilka titled Maiden Melancholy. A young knight comes into my mind as from some myth of old. He came, you felt yourself entwined as a great storm would round you wind. He went, a blessing undefined, seemed left as when church bells declined and left you wrapped in prayer. You fain would cry aloud, but bind your scarf about you and tear blind weep softly in its fold. A young knight comes into my mind, full armored forth to fare. His smile was luminously kind, like glint of ivory enshrined, like a home longing undivined, like Christmas snows where dark ways wind, like sea pearls about turquoise twined, like moonlight silver one combined with their loved books rare gold. And with us in the studio today, we have local poet F.C. Applehands. Hi, everybody. For those of you who aren't familiar with Fred, he is a wonderful uh, musician and poet. He's been at a couple of our open mics, and I've seen him at a couple of other open mics here in Topeka as well. You have a wonderful, diverse collective of topics that you go over. Everything from kind of classical, romantic poems to the more solemn and heartfelt poems about uh, matters such as PTSD and <laughs> he's got his poem actually titled PTSD that he just showed me. Um, but yeah, matters like war and just, you've got this kind of classical storyteller element about you that I really liked. And mm. well, thank you. I do agree. Uh, romance seems to be my niche. That's what people tell me. And so uh, this last book was a collection of all the romantic type poems I've written over the years, and uh, there were numerous ones. I mean, like eighty and or eighty-three. Or, but I didn't want to make it all just glossy and really pretty, so I, I included the ones that they were negative and, and cheerful of, that I wrote. So that was my latest book. Was uh, it's called Loves, Smiles, and Tears? Because I didn't want to you know, make somebody think it was all just uh, about the good aspect of love. But as you said, uh, my topics vary a lot by what my past experiences, like PTSD, not personally, but it's what I've observed. And, and not only for military, but it could be first responders and people like that. Now, I do have a poem called Hero that is uh, directed towards the combat. But my younger brother was in combat, and uh, he just committed a slow suicide by bringing himself to death. And because of his combat experiences, and uh, he was my two years younger than I, so we kind of grew up together. And so that uh, inspired a lot of poems. And I do focus somewhat on uh, current events. Something I see something on TV or hear something that uh, touches me, and I'll write about that. I wrote about a little thing I saw on TV about uh, a bombing that was done, and this uh, man was holding up two shoes, baby shoes. And it just, it just triggered this emotion in me about it the person who was wearing those at one time, who no longer exists. So I do have a large amount of uh, topics uh, from nature. You know, I'm really a nature lover. I live out in the country. And uh, I don't live, I live in the city anymore, but uh, 
If I had to, I, I would, but uh, my topics, you know, a lot of different things, and uh, which gives me the impetus to write. I mean, if I, don't, if I just concentrated on one topic, or one style, then it would wear out real quick. And so I've, uh, lately, over the last year, I think, I started experimenting for something other than just your normal four lines to a verse. I'll, put, I'll make one that's five lines or one that's six lines, just for difference. And uh, that keeps my writing fresh. But as you referred, I uh, also play four instruments. <laughs> that, that's a lot of time also because you've got to practice those things, especially as you get older. And I get out once in a while and play in public when I get the opportunity. And I guess if I want to start from the very beginning, I grew up in Topeka. My grandparents, on well, my mother's side, lived out by Burnett's Mountain. And my mom was the oldest of 13 children. And so uh, we lived with our grandparents for a little while while dad was going to KU. And uh, so I got to roam the hills of Burnett's Mound, and I had ants, you know, they were six months older than I. So my grandparents, when they got done raising all these children, went on this really long vacation. Uh, Grandpa being a carpenter, they bought a, a three-quarter ton pickup and bought all the slide-in 10-foot campers. He gutted it and rebuilt it to Grandma's specs, and they took off. And they went down to Texas and then through the Arizona and New Mexico and then California and up the coast. Washington and Oregon and headed back to Montana and got killed by a head-on collision mm-hmm. on their first big trip of their lives. And that was the trauma. I mean, I've never cried so hard in my life. Uh, the trauma that uh, sparked my writing. And the first poem was about them. And uh, it's been ongoing for about 40 years since then. And I'm, I'm the oldest of nine children. And so uh, also write about, you know, growing up and... Uh, I have just so many different uh, things I can channel and tap into, as I said, because of the emotional side and then the beauty of nature. And, and I do travel, and I have a daughter that lives in Portland, Oregon now, so I go out there every year. I just uh, was sitting in uh, the Black Hills a couple of years ago, and I was sitting in our campsite, and I happened to look up into the pine trees, and the wind was blowing them, and they were just swaying like a dance. And so I, I started writing that right then. Yeah, that about, image about, is so about, beautiful. Yeah, about swaying trees. Luckily, I have accepted, and this is something a lot of people don't do, I accept the fact that I'm a poet and a musician. And, and so I, I realize when I need to write. You know, I don't write every day. Some people think, you don't write every day. But uh, I don't because I've got other things going on. I'm also yeah. a, a hospice volunteer. And uh, a group treasurer, and I just like to experience life. It's through my hospice experience that I realized how important it is because I've got more history than I have future. Being a hospice volunteer really expanded that and, and just put it in my face you know, you've got some living to do before it's too late. Of course, I always take my experiences in traveling and put them on paper, and uh, whether it be a poem about uh, dealing with semis and, and feeling like a rabbit because I'm driving this little car amongst all these semis and passing and so forth. But uh, it's interesting to be able to uh, tap into that and, and be creative in, in different uh, ways and, and keep it fresh and interesting. On that note, you mentioned uh, spending time as a hospice volunteer. A thing I've noticed a lot about your work, you are... An incredibly empathetic individual. You have a lot of persona poems as well. Mm. I don't quite think I've seen 
another poet locally that has so many persona poems, actually. Diverse topics, everything from perceiving trauma and uh, processing stress uh, from the perspective of a cutter. Oh, did you do that poem called Cutter? Yes. Yes, that was powerful, I thought. And you've got, you've got other poems, too, where you just really tap into the perspective of other people, and I just think that's really lovely. Part of that might be because I'm a recovering person, and so I can't identify to a certain degree with people. I saw on TV that an episode about young women who cut themselves, and I was just blown away. I just, wow, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. And I mentioned that you know I don't write every day, but that a lot of times uh, I find myself not being able to go to sleep until I write. You know, I'm laying, I'm tossing and turning in bed, and I thought, all right, I think I've experienced this before. So I get up and start writing, even if it's just two lines or one line. That's the start of a poem that I can tap into later on. But at least I can go to sleep afterwards. <laughs> so that's how some of those come about also. You've got quite an assembly of books, actually. You've got five books that, if I remember correctly, it's five right now. Actually, there's seven. Seven. I've got my hands on five right yes, now. Yes, yes, And those have all come out quite recently in the last few years. Am I correct? And yeah, that's because... Initially, when I would get it up, I usually figured 70 poems as a book, and I would get that together and take it to a printer here in town and have it printed up. So when a good friend introduced me to Create Space, which was a publisher on Amazon, then I discovered that I could use photographs for covers. Before, I was just kind of a graphic, and, and so these photographs that I've used on my covers are really pictures that I've taken. And I put them with a, a good title, like, I had a wonderful photo of a sunset, and I used it for a book called Line Dancing. And then uh, another one called Midnight Musings was a painting by my aunt. So when they redid that, so they were redos, then they changed back the copyright. And so initially it might have been, you know, 2010, but when I redid it, you know, come back 2015. Oh, okay. I so, was curious about that. Yeah. I was just like, gosh, you've been really busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have done, my first book was in 98, so it's been seven, eight, seven books in 28, 21 years, which is a lot. Uh, I like that idea that I can be that creative because it's it gives me some self-validation. Yeah. You know, like I'm a good person and I have ability to, to do this and, and, and some people can connect with it. That's if I could ever write a poem and it impacts someone's day in a positive way, that's all I can ask for. And if I can get a book, then uh, there's that much more of a chance that someone is going to be able to be impacted by one of the poems in that book. I just get them to pick up the book. But uh, that's maybe what the uh, covers are nice, you know, that attract people. Because, you know, I have one that's uh, called Valley View Farm, which is where I live, and it looks out over a valley. And so I took a picture of that and put it on the cover. I'm really excited about the uh, covers that I've been able to use in the last five to seven years because of that new uh, avenue through Create Space, which is now changed, though. It's no longer called Create Space, it's called the Kindle Direct. Oh. So I don't want to make you know, people think that they can go to Create Space, they won't be able to find it. Yeah. So it's Kindle Direct now through Amazon. The covers of your books, by the way, just for our audience to know, they're gorgeous. I. I really love, obviously being a Kansan, uh, I really love a good photograph of a beautiful Kansas sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was obviously very smitten with that one, but it's really great photography. You're very, you're a renaissance man. Well, and, and the <laughs> thing about that is, 
it makes my life more complicated to have all these different avenues of pursuing. But uh, the last book was called Love's Smile and Tears. It has my daughter's sketch on the front of it and, and a picture of her watercolor on the back. But before that was uh, my uh, Midnight Musings. I used, uh, as I said, my aunt's painting. She sells online professionally on the front because it was a midnight scene. And then on the back, I had a picture that my grandma painted on a piece of wood of zinnias. And I always remember growing up, the zinnias being around her front porch, around her front porch. And so I put that on the back. And so and I had a sketch of my daughter on the Indian side. So it was kind of a, a family-oriented book, that one yeah. was. But uh, yes, I, I agree. Uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to capture a few nice pictures in, in, on film. I have a CD also, which I took a picture of outside my. Most of these are out my back door: the sunset, the Valley View Farm, the uh, the picture for the CD. I was on my way to the band practice for this sunset, which had, it had been kind of storming, and so the sunset was coming through those clouds. And it was just a moment I said, "Oh, I got to get the camera yeah. before I leave," and so. Uh, and luckily, being retired, uh, I do have an uh, opportunity to seize more moments. And uh, that's another part of my idea of, you know, life short, what life I have left. Yeah. And so I, I do try to do that, seize the moments as they come around. But it's easier said than done to be in a moment. And because, uh, you know, there's just so many outside influences on our lives to interrupt that moment. Yes. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned about your four instruments you play. I know that you play acoustic guitar. What are the others? Well, okay, there's the six-string and the twelve-string guitar, and I play what's called a hammered dulcimer. There are two types of dulcimers: hammered and uh, mountain dulcimer. Mine is the larger one, and and you have two sticks that are called hammers, and and you hit the strings with it. Oh, and it, it's a really unique instrument, and also uh, it's fun to play. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to play, and 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 people are really attracted to it. But anyway. Years ago, I had a opportunity to uh, a lady give me a Russian folk instrument called a balalaika, and it's a little about two feet long and a triangular body with a round back, and it just has three strings on it, two two of nylon and one steel. So it's kind of unique, also. And I thought, you know, if people are always coming up and wondering, saying, "What is this dulcimer thing?" And, and so I thought, well, if I get this balalaika out also, yeah. you know, I really have a opportunity to expose people to new instruments and what they sound like. And uh, I, I don't know a lot on the balalaika yet. But that's one of my goals. And uh, so those are the four I play. I need to look up this instrument because it sounds very interesting. It, it is. It's really interesting. Like I said, it's a little triangular body. But it has a sound hole. You know, on guitar you have a sound hole where the strings go over this one is the same one, but it's only about the size of a quarter. And it's, it's amazing the sound that comes out of that little instrument. Of course, when that, you know, they, they gave me that instrument. She also gave me a uh, uh, instructional book, because I'd never seen that instrument before. Of course, it was in Russian. Oh. So it didn't do me a whole lot of good. But you can go on bay, on, online and get uh, Mel Bay. has a lot of instructional books for a lot of different instruments, and I, I got a battle like this, so I got a lot of good. On the note of music, one of our recent open mics that we had, you performed a song of yours, mm -hmm. and you said uh, a little bit ago about your CD. Uh, how much songs do you compose? I haven't composed any recently. I'm talking 10, 15 years. I've done about, I've composed about eight or ten, and on the CD there's probably eight, maybe. Uh, it's mostly dulcimer music, and, and then my own ballads. 
And so uh, it's kind of a, a blend in that respect. It's just been hectic in the sense that uh, I've been doing these books, and I've been doing numerous books about every, you know, I did three of them in the last year. One of them was original. It was called uh, uh, Embrace the Adventure. And the photo on it was when I took hiking in Arkansas. And then uh, The Midnight Musing was a redo of the third book. And then The Love's Poems was a combination, a compilation of all the romantic ones I've done. So the last year was very hectic as far as writing and getting books together. The CD, I think, was done in 2014? No, in 04. And uh, I haven't done one since. I had someone, I was playing up on the square at Colton where I live around, and uh, a lady who had my CD, she came up and said, well, have you done anything more recent? <laughs> so evidently she was interested in me wanting to do some more, but uh, I don't really see it happening. Time-wise, I don't want to take the time going into studio and recording all that stuff, but uh, we'll see. You know, I don't say, I don't use the word ever. Yeah. I don't use it, so it's, it's going along, and uh, keep me plenty busy. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy being retired. I hope everyone gets there sooner or later. I've been been very happy and, and blessed to live where I do. Up the mountain, but, uh, I live on 30 acres and overlooks a valley and get beautiful sunsets. Uh, it's, it's an old house was built in 1901, so it's 118 years old. Oh, wow. But uh, it's, it's just a plain house. It's not, you know, some, some country farmhouses are really special and have, you know, a lot of nooks and crannies and special woodwork and all that. Mine is it. Mine was just a farmhouse, and <laughs> it shows it by the uh, decor. <laughs> uh, that's fine, you know. It's just way I'm a simple type of person. I, I like to stay, keep it simple, and so I just maintain it. The peace and kind of tranquility of living out in a place like that, out in the country. Do you think that that really helps you as a creative person to, you know, have a nice, safe space that helps you concentrate on your work? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I have. Uh, a table, I use wood for heat also, and so uh, about 80-85% of my poems have been written on that same spot oh, wow. at the table, and uh, you know, I've gone through those uh, legal pads, I write them on a legal pad, and uh, then I was introduced to a computer, so I went from there, but I'm still a pretty novice when it comes to computer or technology, I don't even own a smartphone, <laughs> but uh, a lot of times when I'm laying in bed, and it's winter time, and I have all the windows closed, and my refrigerator just outside my bedroom door, so when it's not running, I just marvel how quiet it is. It's just so quiet, and I just love it, and I never tire of it. I think part of that might have been from having worked in a tire factory over a good year before I retired, and it was a lot of noise, so that might be why I really appreciate the quiet, and also growing up, uh, the oldest of uh, nine kids, it's a lot of yes. quiet also. <laughs> it's nice to eventually and your life gets to a point where it can just be you and peace. <laughs> I agree. I live by myself, and it doesn't seem to bother me. I marvel at nature. I mean, it, I see all this wildlife come through my yard, and I'm just enthralled by it. And I consider myself so lucky to live where I do. I've been there 40 years, which is most of my life. You know, I'm 71 now. So most of my life has been spent living in that same spot. And uh, I've planted a lot of trees. I've started an orchard. And so uh, I have a hickory tree outside the house a little bit, and I put a bench swing in it. I can't imagine the total number of hours that I spend sitting in that, that bench swing, just looking out, 
to the east uh, over the other small pond. So uh, the pond and then the orchard on the other side of it, and all the trees that I've planted over the years, it's just a special spot. It sounds like a very calm and gentle life, and as a city person, it sounds also very <laughs> alien to me, but I definitely see the, the draw into it. Mm, yeah. I do have a neighbor who built a house across the road from me, and I just accept that because uh, I had a good run. You know, it's been 20 years with nobody been across the road from me. They're nice. I've only met them once. They have uh, some cattle and some horses. I hope my granddaughter doesn't find out they have horses, but uh, I don't know what I'll do. We'll see. You know, that's another thing. As I've gotten older, to realize, you know, you just have to accept what is presented to you at, again, that moment. And when you can get to the point where you can recognize those moments, those that are very special, that I think is part of the also the ongoing learning process of being a hospice volunteer is the, is the moments that you spend with people that uh, you see what they're going through. And, and uh, you, you realize that you need to just uh, accept life for what it is and, uh, and, it, and at that moment. So uh, it sounds like a very hectic life, and sometimes it is hectic. But uh, I'll take my time and, and sometimes I'll just stop. You know, I just go sit in my swing. On the note of embracing the moments and just living life to the fullest, what do you see in the future? Do you see more books? Well, I do have 23 poems that I've written since the last book. And like I said, I considered 70 a book, so there's almost a third yeah. of another book. So I figured another uh, maybe three, is almost four years for another book. But I've been getting close. Uh, I've written like 440 poems, and so uh, that would get me close to 500. I, I reached a milestone of 400 and went past that. So I thought, well, what do I do now? Yeah. I guess I should be 500. But uh, if I get enough for another book, it would be close to 500, which amazes me that I did that. Yes. You know, I, I, I've never taken a creative writing course. I didn't do any of that in school, and so uh, it just amazes me that all this. Creativity has flowed out of me. I think I've grown, become a better speller. <laughs> and uh, thesaurus is really interesting. You know, if I'm writing something and I get tired of using the same book or same word, I will get uh, that thesaurus out and get using a uh, word. I wrote a poem recently about words. And I thought that would be interesting to write about words. But I didn't want to put the title at words. <laughs> so I got a thesaurus out and I come over with all idioms which is another word for words. And so I titled it that. So I didn't use a thesaurus for a number of years. I didn't know what it was. So someone introduced me to it. And uh, yeah, I rely on it. <laughs> and a dictionary. Well, we're now at the point where if you would like to share your own work, we would love to hear it. Sure. I have a few here. The first one is one of those uh, romance ones that I seem to gravitate to. And it's called Forever Entwined. When the highest of mountains are whittled to mere clumps of small homes for tiny creatures, our love will remain. When the oceans of the world dwindle to small puddles, oases for tiny blades of grass, our love will remain. When the sound of many voices shrinks to a single syllable to wither and disappear, our love will remain. For our love knows no limits of earthly time or space. Amongst the enlightened spirits, our love will remain. Imprinted by hope, enveloped by goodness, our spirits forever 
would be the informant. This is another one. PTSD, like I said, this could be combat or first response in Iraq, you know, domestic disputes. PTSD can affect a lot of people in different ways. So it's called PTSD. I scream into the darkness when flashes explode in white, yellow, and red. Within a mist of experiences, apparitions dance hauntingly. I reach for something soothing to end this recurring nightmare, but relief remains only temporary. My dreams return with debilitating dominance. I pray for drugs and alcohol will suffice, but the demons conquer all means of solace and hope for a peaceful sleep. And I protect unsuspecting loved ones with absolute secrecy. My time here is short compared to eternity. It will live on only in their memories. And this is called my spirit. I, I would think this is more about uh, what I would like to think people think of me after I died. So this is my legacy. I put it as a footprint or template for people to use. I don't know what it was. It's called my spirit. When I no longer walk among songs and fragrances, my spirit emancipated, smile for me. For I no longer struggle with contradiction or insanity. I will be a thought causing you to awaken. A moment of inspiration causing you to express. A swelling of emotion causing you to love. I will be the luminescence of a full moon night. I'll be the mystery and wonder dancing in nature's beauty. The enchanting tranquility experienced in music. I will be with you as your inner voice. Whisper my admiration. Whispering my love. Thank you, Fred. Those are really this is what I was talking about earlier, about the gentleness of your poems. Um, that's what I look forward to every time I see you at our open mic or our other open mic that is here in town with Speakeasy. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's always that kind of, I hesitate to use the phrase like thought-provoking because it's kind of overused, but it's yeah. just kind of one of those meditating on life kind of things. Well, it, it's what I refer to about touching somebody. You know, that, that happens in great. If not, you know, maybe next time. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Well, thanks for the invitation. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's a new experience. And now for our listener submission from Miriam Sagan. Miriam Sagan is the author of 30 published books, including the novel Black Rainbow and Geographic, A Memoir of Time and Space which won the 2016 Arizona New Mexico Book Award in Poetry. She founded and headed the Creative Writing Program at Santa Fe Community College until her retirement in 2016. Her blog, Miriam's Well, has 1,500 daily readers. She has been a writer in residence in four national parks at Yaddo, McDowell, Colorado Art Ranch, Andrews Experimental Forest, Center for Land Use Interpretation, Iceland's Bulkistan Residency for Creative People, and another dozen or so remote and unique places. She has recently returned from Kura Studio Iyoshima, Japan, where she was working on text installations as a part of the creative team Maternal Mitochondria. Her awards include Santa Fe Mayor's Award for Excellence in the Arts, the Poetry Gratitude Award from New Mexico Literary Arts, and a Landon Foundation Residency in Martha. Red Cloud, Part 1. Lace curtains, Venus at dusk, Nebraska, 
An old story, wind ruffles the pages of a book, no longer salvage, an expensive quilt, prairie, wind, train whistle, loneliness, made more lonely by a lonely tale. Part 2 Blue horses come over the ridge of the mind, warriors painted on hide, song lines tell us about water, no water, even a small girl in her nightgown might fly barefoot over the town's steeples and train tracks. Everything in its essence yearns to go elsewhere. Prairie like a bride. Clouds, dunes of ash, sand, grit, drifted with an ageless wind from ancient volcanoes, fossil soil. In drought, its flesh that comes to water departs as bone twenty million years old. Badlands that eroded out of the past that we were trying to read like a WPA mural on a county building, or a winter count painted on hide that begins with the creation of the world. Skeleton of a teepee, sunflowers gone to seed, a field of supernovas, yellow butterfly among September's dry, clanking stalks. Cushion, gray velveteen, stuck with pins, wild cucumber, twining the bridge, weed called needle and thread, stinging nettles. A ribbon marked the pace where I stopped reading, interrupted by a child wanting a glass of water. Blank pages of this book, ruffled by breeze, hair in my mouth as if everything were speaking to me at once. A woman's life is... Wind, 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 the mind of God is moving again, and I with it. A blue window seen from mine in the old hotel. Slick streets beneath a stuttering street lamp. It's been many years since I looked out at rooms above mine. That particular feeling, a hot springs town in rain. You gave me a gift hidden within the ordinary. A cafe life, small waterfall, Lakota star quilt. Hiding in plain sight, a flicker of the ineffable, taste or scent of spring and autumn, curtain pulled back, lights spilling out. After Marie Sandoz, 1869 to 1966. Her father beats her. She becomes a writer along the upper Niobrera. Crazy Woman Creek, a place called Hanging Woman, the coming of barbed wire, the walking plow, a curl of smoke, coffee boiling at sundown. Everything in the universe is round, sun, moon, time, except for stone. Try this in the first person. Thank you very much, Miriam, for your submission, and thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Sunflower Sutras. If you or someone you know would like to submit to our show, feel free to submit any works to us at tara.bartley at yahoo.com. So long before and farewell.